All right, let's do this. Yeah. So I'm glad to be with you today. I love sharing um, at our church. And when I saw this topic on the preaching calendar, I was like, I got to do that one because I love evangelism. I love sharing the gospel. And I have uh, some things I've learned over my um, many successes and many failures that I think can help you as we as Christians seek to share the gospel with other people, um, knowing that all of, I know many of you have a heart and a desire to share the gospel. And so here's some practical ways to do it. Um, What I want to say is I'm going to give you a method today. It's called the James method. And I'll explain why it's called that in a minute. But it's called the James Method, and I'm going to explain some five uh, stages of the James Method. And I want to say real quick, this method is not like a math equation so that it works every time, right? You plug in the right words and phrases and the right attitude, and your coworker gets saved, you know, every single day. Like, it's not like that. Rather, it's a way to walk with people and share your Christian faith with them in a way that's more like gardening and uh, cultivating a plant rather than like doing a math equation. So this is a beautiful, dynamic process that we can go through with people in our lives. And the other thing is, it's not the only method in the world. So there are other methods, other good ones, and these are just some things that I've learned over the years, also drawing on some resources uh, online, some book resources that I've learned. So let's get into it. The James Method is called that because it reminds us of James 1.19. We are asking them questions first to get what they think, and then we respond. And that's why it's James 1.19, because it says in James 1.19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So you've probably heard this in like a marriage seminar. Okay, it works with more than just marital conflict. It also works with sharing the gospel. And it's very good to be quick to listen because one, it's kind and respectful when we're sharing our views with other people to allow them to share their views. And number two, it's good to be quick to listen because that actually gives us the basis for response. We don't just want to talk at people. Rather, we want to talk with people and understanding what they think first is really good. Slow to speak because Christians uh, in culture are thought of as being quick to speak. Uh, We do not want to be quick to speak. We want to be slow to speak, listening first, and then responding with the truth and the gospel. And definitely, definitely slow to become angry. I have become angry. I really, really work hard not to, but I have become angry a couple times in gospel sharing scenarios. Total fail, all right? Any good work I did sharing the gospel was totally, like, messed up by me getting angry. So slow to get angry, quick to listen, and slow to speak. So it comes in five stages, the James method. Stage number one is opening the door. Stage two is finding out what they think. Then responding with questions if possible. Then sharing the gospel and following up slash following through. Okay, so you have sheets on your chairs. You can take a look at those and follow along with me. I know it's kind of dark. Uh, You you also don't need to. Those are for you to keep uh, to remind you of what I said afterwards because this isn't like a a sermon with one like take-home point. Rather, it's something you might be able to revisit as you practice sharing the gospel um, over over your life. Yeah, Um, you can keep this forever, you know. Be buried with this, all right? Okay, so step one, opening the door for spiritual conversation. This is the hardest step for me. I don't know why. I just feel so nervous to just 
say the thing, you know, like, do you want to hear the gospel, right? I feel so nervous because I always worry, like, people are going to think it's weird or they're going to get, like, that look that's like, oh, you know. But I have found some really great ways in my nervousness, some really great ways to bring it up in a casual way. The first thing on your sheet says, when religion comes up in conversation, ask them a casual question related to religion, morality, spirituality, This question is intended to open the door to the conversation about religion and can lead to further conversation. So remember, this is slow to speak. I want to hear what you think first. And one way that I've really been able to do this well is by asking people the very simple question, are you religious at all? This comes off really casual, especially if it's right after I just shared something about me being religious. So the way it might happen for you is you're sharing with your coworker about your weekend. You can even initiate this. Hey, how was your weekend? And then they'll probably ask you in response, how was your weekend? And then I'll say, my weekend was great. You know, I don't have a kid, but you might say, we went to our kid's sporting event, and then we went to church. Hey, are you religious at all? Now, if it doesn't sound smooth now, it's smooth. Because then people are like, oh, I see you asked, you said, oh, you're religious. Oh, and you're curious if I'm religious. This has started probably three or four conversations for me in the last couple months. It started one just last week. So it's a very, very smooth transition, and it opens the door to spiritual topics in general. And then it says, that is important because then we're going to go into our next stage, also a listening stage, where we're asking them what they think. You open the door when you ask, are you religious at all? And then that opens the door to further conversation. And so now we are in stage two. Stage two is to really nail down what they believe about the particularities. Because someone might say a certain thing, but you don't exactly know what they believe. So in stage two, we gather information about what they believe about religion. And this gives you a basis for understanding how to respond. In stage one, I asked, are you religious at all? Maybe they responded with, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Okay, that's, that's a good step, but how do I respond to that? I can't just say, well, you should be religious. You know, it's like, that's not helpful. And so I got to say something to get a further basis for understanding. I'll normally follow up by saying something like, oh, what do you believe about God or spirituality? Do you think that God exists? Or another good question, if someone says, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious, you can say, oh, what do you mean by that? Those are really good guiding questions, and these can be done with anybody for any faith system. Muslims, atheists, Buddhists, someone who's like a Christian but doesn't go to church. You know, you can ask anyone these kind of questions, leading questions to ask them, what do they actually believe? And then once you get that, you can um, respond to it in stage three. Stage two, you also want to be sure to explore their views with them. Ask them those kinds of questions. Questions like, what do you think about? Or, what do you mean by that? These have often been ways that I've uh, been able to start a conversation with someone, and they feel like comfortable to like, talk about what they really believe. You know, And it's, not, uh, it's very helpful because people like to share what they think And it doesn't feel like offensive, like, oh, let me share the gospel with you. Okay, that's one approach to to starting a conversation. But, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if I really want to hear that. But people don't mind telling you what they think, you know. And then often that's an open door for you to be able to share what you think, too. When you understand their view, this is uh, the, the next part of stage two. 
it's, it's continuing to understand what they think, you can ask them for evidence that supports their view. And if you just ask someone, well, what evidence do you have for that? Okay, that's a little hard. I would do that, but I would do it a different way. I would say something like, how did you come to that conclusion? How, how did you come to that conclusion? That's like a different way to ask for the same thing. And then they can explain to you, oh, I, I learned it on this YouTube video, and they said this and this, or something like that. So let them answer and ask more questions until you feel like they fully explain to you what they believe. And then we move on to stage three. So I'm going to give you one more stage, and then I'm going to tell you a story where I kind of use these, uh, use the James method to have a gospel conversation with someone. So you ask them what they think in stage two, and now stage three is your opportunity to respond to what they think. So you will respond to what they said with questions or statements with a question attached to it. This is so you can present your side of the argument, but also give them a way to respond to it for further dialogue. For example, someone said, a loving God would never send anyone to hell because that is exclusionary. And then I might say to them, what do you think about when Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one gets to God except through Jesus? You see, I'm asking them a question but I'm responding to them at the same time. Okay, Jesus says this, what do you think? That gives them the opportunity to grapple with the words of scripture against one of their own views. And this is where you begin to respond and um, have, a, have a conversation. One note about responding, the respond section. Um, I have heard from many Christians many times that one of the reasons we don't get into conversations with people about our faith is because we're worried I'm not going to know what to say if they ask me something that I don't know about. And that is a reasonable uh, fear to have. It's like, well, I don't know everything about every question. You know, even me, I literally listen to theology podcasts for fun, but I've gotten questions before. I'm like, what? I don't know. All right. If you don't know what to say, I actually see that as an opportunity for something good. You can say, I don't know. Saying, saying I don't know is good because, number one, it shows intellectual humility. Christians are often seen as know-it-alls. Now, the Christians I know are not know-it-alls, but people think of us as know-it-alls. And so for us to say, I don't know, that's a good step of intellectual humility. I had someone come into church once, and I was telling him, you know, I, th I think this is right, but, you know, I could be wrong about this. And he was like, wow, I really appreciate how you're open to different views because all the religious people I interacted with were all so hard-lined. It's an intellectual humility moment. And also, if you say, I don't know, can I think about that and get back to you? It does one of the most amazing things, which is it opens the door for further conversation. You could talk to them again. It's like, wow, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Let me talk to you again about Christianity later, huh? huh? So it's a really, really good thing. I, I see it as a good thing when you, say, when you don't know what to say because it sets up those two really wonderful benefits. There have been times when I haven't known and I've just talked and I could have set up a second conversation if I just said, I don't know. Let me get your number and you know, talk to you about it again, all right? So... That is the stage three, responding to what they think stage. And now let me tell you a story where I got to implement these three stages. 
I was actually writing this sermon. I've been writing this sermon for a while because, you know, I get the topics months in advance and I don't do that many. So I get to spend a long time on them. And I was thinking about these stages when I was um, at Knott's Berry Farm. And our whole family sat next to a, uh, we're, we're sitting down. And then I went to the bathroom. And when I came back, there was a couple there. And uh, my family was talking to them about stuff. And I was like, oh, <laughs> we're talking to strangers about stuff. I bet they want to hear the gospel, right? But I didn't want to start that way, you know? So the, the conversation was like kind of about religion. It was like on the border. There were like hints of it, right? But it wasn't exactly going in that direction. And so I opened the door for the conversation by asking them, hey, are you religious at all? And they responded to me. She said she was spiritual, but not religious. And he said that he was Catholic. And they told me this really interesting piece of information. They both went to Christian, and he went to a Catholic school. Ah, so I logged that one away in my head. I think they probably have a respect for Jesus. That opened the door to the conversation and allowed me to ask my next question. What do you believe about XYZ? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about, uh, like, spirituality and stuff? So then they were able to, again, respond with what they think. Remember, quick to listen. So they began to tell me that they both thought that all religions were basically good and that all people were good. And she specifically told me that she thought God would never send anyone to hell because that is exclusionary. Okay, that's part two. So I've just gone through stage one and stage two. In stage one, I learned she has a respect for Jesus. And in stage two, I learned that she believes something that Jesus does not believe, uh, namely that all people go to heaven. And so in stage three, my intent was to challenge one of her views with another view. I wanted to challenge her view that all people go to heaven regardless of religion with her other view that Jesus is a respectable teacher with some of Jesus's words. And so this is what I said in stage three. Thank you so much for sharing what you think. Tell me, what do you think about Jesus's words? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. Doesn't that seem kind of exclusionary? And you see, I've brought up Jesus's words in order to challenge what she thinks about religion, spirituality, etc. Now, how she responded, I think, is very instructive, because she did not answer my question. Instead, she asked me a question in response. She said, well, what about all the people in the world who never hear about Jesus? Are they going to hell too? Now, this is a great question, and I am prepared to answer it. But if I just fired off an answer, that would have taken the conversation away from where it had been going, which was, her having to answer a question and grapple with uh, tension in her mind. And so I said that. I said, thank you so much for asking me. I am prepared to answer that question, but I was just really curious. What did you think about Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me? This put the question back to her so that she could grapple with that tension, and she did. Asking it again was successful, and she said, huh, I guess that is kind of exclusionary. And that is the tension I wanted to go for. And then I didn't want her to leave her, leave her with that, like, yeah, Jesus is exclusionary. But instead, I got to explain to her 
this is what I said next. I said, yes, it is exclusionary, but you're right that God is inclusionary. He's inclusionary in one sense and exclusionary in another sense. He's inclusionary in the sense that anyone who wants to can be saved. They were Vietnamese, uh, so I, or she was Vietnamese, so I said, you could be Vietnamese, you could be white, you could be tall, you could be short. Anyone can be saved, but it's exclusionary in the sense that you have to be saved through Jesus. You cannot be a Buddhist. You cannot be a Muslim. You have to be saved through Jesus. And so it was a really good opportunity for me to explain that. And the conversation went on from there, but I thought that that was a really instructive situation in which the, the three sta- first stages of our method could be used. You know, um, opening the door, asking them what they think, and, and then um, gathering what they think, and then responding to that. Now, like I said, they did not necessarily get saved and become full-blown Christians in that moment. But that's okay because it was a gardening moment. This is not, you know, a math equation. It's a gardening moment, and maybe, again, they'll have a conversation. He was a little more serious about the Bible, so maybe they'll have a conversation like, wait, you think anyone can be saved? Or, you know, something like that. So, or maybe someone will talk to them about it in the future. So those are our first three stages, and now I'm going to get to stage four and five. And remember, you have all this on your sheet, so you can look back over this. And also, I love talking about this stuff. So if you ever want to talk about this or anything related to evangelism, I will, I will talk to you all day about it, all right? So, I mean, I will be quick to listen, and then, then I'll talk to you. I want to hear what you have to say, all right? So stage four is share the gospel. There's a lot of topics you can talk about that aren't necessarily the pure gospel of, you know, Jesus died for your sins, and you must believe in him. And, you know, you will get given eternal life. There's a lot of other, you know, sometimes I'm talking to people about how, you know, uh, science gives evidence for the Bible. Well, that's not necessarily exactly like the gospel. And so there's two ways to, or here are two good ways to introduce the gospel into the conversation, which we want to do because Paul says the gospel is salvation to all who believe. They might not, you know, jive with your answers about, you know, whatever topic you were talking about, but the gospel itself has that power. And so one way, uh, you want to try to find the opportunity to share the gospel. One good way is to connect it to the conversation. So for that conversation I was having with that woman, I could have said something like, well, from a biblical perspective, Jesus says people can only get to God through him because all people are sinners needing someone to save them, and Jesus is that Savior. You have to come through him. He died for your sins and was buried for your sins and raised to life on the third day, and if you believe in him, you can be saved. That is like the gospel weaved into the conversation. But, like I said, sometimes there's just not the opportunity for that. You know, I've been talking to someone about, you know, science and the Bible or whatever, and so I'll just ask, oh, hey, can I share the gospel with you? Except what I say is, can I share the main point of Christianity with you? And they normally say yes. And I say, thank you so much. Uh, We call it the gospel, the good news that Jesus, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And so those are two ways to share the gospel. That is stage four, very important stage. And now we're on to stage five, which is the follow-up or follow-through stage. As I've said, this is not a one-moment type of thing. Now, sometimes you'll only have one moment with someone, you know? The cashier who's, you know, on, on her break and you just ask her, hey, what do you think about God? You know, I'm probably not going to see her again. I'm definitely not going to get her number, all right? That's a little weird, but I'm going to have that moment with her. But maybe it's like someone you see regularly, a coworker, a neighbor, something like that. 
make contact again to continue the conversation. For example, invite them to church again or talk to them about spiritual things again. Use the same method, the James method, as the first time. Ask questions, respond, and ask follow-up questions. Share the gospel. The door's already open. They already know and have had a good experience with you talking to them about Christian things. And maybe if they haven't specifically said, I do not want to talk to you about this again, hey, that's fair game, all right? So follow up. And also, maybe you said to them, I don't know. Can I think about it and get back to you? Well, think about it and get back to them, all right? This is a really, really good way to continue having conversations. And I got to be honest, of the five stages, I like the intro stage the least, but I'm the worst at this one. I, am, I always get so nervous that people are going to be annoyed with me following up with them. But I just got to say, you just got to do it. My favorite, no, not my favorite, the best example of someone who follows up is Tommy DeWitt. Tommy is like a police dog when it comes to following up with people. He's a hound. He never lets it go. It's not just with the gospel either. He's been inviting me to the same chicken restaurant for four years. So Tommy DeWitt is the bomb. He invites the same family members, the same friends to church over and over and over again. And I really respect him for that. And I've seen, you know what? Actually, no, it's not annoying. It's good because it continues to put the opportunity for following God in front of our friends, coworkers, our enemies, our neighbors, etc. There's another story, a wonderful story in this church. Uh, our two youth group girls, Emily and Rachel Shea, have a great follow-up story. So Rachel, and I got permission to share this, uh, Rachel was far from God, and she was kind of mad at God for things, and she wasn't going to church. But, this is Rachel's word, Emily kept pestering her to come to church. When I think about that word, pestering, I'm like, oh no, I never want to pester someone. But wait, it caused Rachel to come to church and now she's following the Lord and he's healed her of like the, you know, the anger she had at him. And now she's, she's fully blessed in the Lord. And so I'm thinking, wait, that's something I thought was bad. But now I'm thinking, you know what? That is actually good. Not necessarily to pester someone. We shouldn't be pests, but to be persistent. All right. Persistent in our pursuit of people. Our non-Christian friends Jesus says this. This is not judgmental. This is Jesus saying this. They're like lost sheep. And guess what? Lost sheep don't find themselves. They need to be pursued. They need to be called. They need to be herded back into Jesus' loving arms. So let's be persistent with our friends. And one way that we can practice our persistence is to invite people to next week's Thanksgiving service and potluck. All right? So let's do that. And in this invite, you can even practice these five stages. The five stages, again, are opening the door, finding out what they think, responding with truth, the gospel, and questions, sharing the gospel, and following up. So, uh, worship band, will you please come up here? I've got a couple of resources for you at the bottom of your page. The first one is a book called Tactics by Greg Kokel. It's basically a book version of the sermon I just gave you. I, I drew on that book um, as well as other things for this, uh, this sermon. And it's very, very helpful. Lots of examples and explanations for how to share the gospel better. So if you're interested in that, that book is really good. And then there's three website resources, reasonablefaith.org, 
BibleThinker.org and GotQuestions.org. You can go on these. They have search, a search function to answer so many Bible questions. And I would just really recommend just listen to the Bible Thinker podcast once a week, his Q&A for 30 minutes. That'll train you so well to be able to answer questions. All right. So as we're sharing the gospel with people, let's also remember to pray. And let's pray together right now. So Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness like you gave the, uh, the apostles. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would give us wisdom for how to, how to speak, what to say. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us your evangelism methods as we're talking to people and fill our mouths with the words of the scriptures and with the Bibles. Thank you so much, Jesus, uh, for saving our souls. And uh, we need you to save the souls of our, our friends and families and neighbors. So pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.